Welcome to the Voice Tech Podcast. Join me, Carl Robinson, in conversation with the world's leading voice technology experts. Discover the latest products, tools, and techniques, and learn to build the voice apps of the future. One of the partners got an email from some representative at his golf and country club that he knew, and it, it looked it looked legitimate. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Voice Tech Podcast. My name's Carl Robinson, and today I'm going to be talking to Tyler Hatch, who's the founder and CEO of DFI Forensics Inc. DFI are a digital forensics and cybersecurity provider based in Vancouver, British Columbia, in Canada. And Tyler is a certified forensics examiner for computers and mobile phones, as well as a former practicing lawyer. Why digital forensics? Well, as you know, the whole world is now dependent on digital technology. It's improved our lives, but it's also made us vulnerable to exploitation. And hackers and cyber criminals these days have very little fear of getting caught because they can remain anonymous online. They're more organized, more sophisticated than ever. And as a result, cybercrime is now the most profitable criminal enterprise in the world. So it's important you get clued up on uh, what it is and how to protect yourself from it, especially if you're developing uh, applications. Uh, in our conversation, you'll learn how cybercrime has evolved from simply stealing data and selling it on the dark web to now targeting specific organizations by penetrating IT networks, disabling entire networks, and demanding ransoms to be paid to unlock the data. So in our conversation, we'll cover things like what is digital forensics, who uses it, and uh, what it's used for, uh, what technologies are used, the hardware, the software, the machine learning, etc., and what the biggest threats to, to companies and governments are today. We talk about how individuals can protect their personal data and uh, whether it's worth organizations spending the money to do this or whether it's better just to pay the ransom in the end. Uh, we also talk about voice-activated technologies, of course. How secure are they? Uh, what are the most and least secure methods of authentication? And many more besides. So it's a really interesting episode, something a little bit different, and I'm sure you're going to find something of value in our conversation today. This podcast is sponsored by Manning Publishing an independent publisher of computer books who really are the perfect fit for the knowledge-thirsty voice tech audience. At Manning.com, there's a huge range of software development books, including voice applications for Alexa and Google Assistant by expert voice developer Dustin Coates, as well as many books on Python, JavaScript, databases, and much more. With the Manning Early Access Program, you can read a book chapter by chapter while it's being written. This unique feature gives you access to up-to-the-minute knowledge on the hottest technologies. All the books are available at manning.com. And right now, you can get 40% off all books with the promo code PODVOICETECH19. I'm on the line with Tyler Hatch, the founder and CEO of DFI Forensics, Inc. Tyler is a certified forensics examiner for computers and mobile phones and a former practicing lawyer, which makes him one of the most unique investigators in the field of digital forensics today. DFI Forensics are a digital forensics provider based out of Vancouver, British Columbia. They serve businesses, lawyers, law firms, and members of the public all across Canada. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's fantastic to have you on. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting conversation, I think, because this is a, an area that we don't talk about all the time, digital forensics. It does crop up in the news every once in a while when, uh, I don't know, Apple refuses to, to hand over some data or something, or there's some, some crime that relies on it. Um, specifically, uh, it was captured by Alexa, you know, something like this. But uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't cross our paths uh, every day. So it's going to be interesting to dive into it with you today. 
it's a it's an interesting field. It's funny you mentioned those cases because the uh, the ones that have made a lot of uh, headlines around the world are very interesting for a lot of people. And I have to say, on a day to day basis, we encounter often very similar exciting cases. So it's a really interesting field. Is that right? Okay, well, I'm looking forward to hearing all about it. Let's start by giving a, a, a brief overview then. So what is digital forensics for the uh, uninitiated? It's just another way of proving a fact. I mean, you look, you know, traditionally, lawyers and police investigators would always talk to witnesses and take physical evidence of crime scenes. This is just another way to do that, except it's isolated to digital sources like computers and cell phones and smart devices and wearable tech, drones, online sources, all those kind of things. There's lots of uh, little breadcrumbs for us to follow. Okay, so it's, we're not we're not just talking audio. We're talking any any record of anything going on that's captured by some kind of digital device is, is handled by digital forensics. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, and and who uses uh, this kind of stuff? Obviously, law enforcement. We mentioned lawyers and uh, and but businesses also, right? And even individuals. Yeah, by way of history, yeah, the whole field developed out of law enforcement, and then them developing tools to trace criminals who are using computers to commit crimes. But obviously, in the context of, of civil proceedings and, and lawyers dealing with private lawsuits, that has equal application. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now with businesses, all the employees are using computers. Businesses use computers and technology to manufacture, produce goods, ship goods to customers, to take orders, to communicate. So we, as a whole world, we're just so dependent on digital technology that it's right. it's brilliant it's improved our lives but it's also made us vulnerable to exploitation for those who want to take advantage of it and profit and as i always like to tell people cybercrime is now the most profitable criminal enterprise in the world it's far surpassed the drug industry money right? laundering all those things yeah it's absolutely because it works and people are still vulnerable to to certain attacks and and uh, it's a profitable thing so they keep doing it Let's talk about that briefly because I'm aware of uh, losing your identity or having your identity stolen online. Mm-hmm. Um, people rummaging through the bins, they grab your bank statements, a scan of your passport or something, and then they set up accounts in your own name or they, they order things online in your name and then, then you're, you know, you're chased down for the debt. But obviously that's, that's not the only way that you can be attacked. Um, it always seems to me Correct. that the idea of a hacker attacking me personally seems to be a very remote possibility. So what, 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 are, the, what are the likely uh, attack vectors? What, what, where are the biggest threats for the individual and for businesses? What, what happens on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I mean, individuals, it is still that, you know, attacking, it's not necessarily rummaging through and getting physical records and using them on an online digital application. They're, they're hacking into accounts that are left unsecured for, for individuals like banking. Not so much banking, that's pretty secure, but you know, a lot of people you know, use the same password across multiple accounts. And when one goes down, it's pretty easy to guess the next uh, password in the line, and that can run them into problems. Uh, but that's not the kind of scale that I'm talking about with the criminal enterprise. I'm talking about attacking businesses and government and all these kind of private enterprises. And we it started kind of developing by um, attacking people with a lot of information and data. Data information is the new currency in our world, and uh, people were stealing it and selling it kind of in the nefarious areas of the internet and making money that way. But now we're seeing a real a real change and it's evolved into attacking businesses directly. And what they're doing is they're they're penetrating an IT network and they're getting access to to the computer system and they're encrypting the entire network. So mm. uh, a dentist's office or 
some some business like that, and they'll, they'll literally cripple them so they can't answer their phone lines if they're through the internet. They can't email their clients. They can't access their schedules. Uh, their their automatic billing systems go down. Uh, everything the, the entire business gets gets shut down. And what they do is then that they approach you and they say, "We've got you. It's too late. We've encrypted your network. If you want to get any of this stuff back, um, pay us a certain amount of money in Bitcoin." Or some kind of untraceable cryptocurrency, and people pay because they're in a horrible position and they have no choice but to pay. And do they pay in secret, or do they usually contact law enforcement but end up paying it anyway? I don't know what it's like in other areas of the world, but law enforcement doesn't have yet the tools to quite deal with this problem. So no. that's not where most people go. They may make that initial phone call and then they just decide to to deal either directly with the criminal or there are various amounts of companies like me who will respond to the incident and help you kind of negotiate that deal. There are other, you know, there are players in the game that are higher and, and lower and everything in between. Um, but yeah, we, we broker deals for clients and, um, and essentially make sure it's as fair a deal as possible given the severity of the situation. So when you say you broker deals, it means you're you act as a as a go between between the business and and the person making the threat. Yes. Wow. Okay. So you're contacting. So you're actually making contact with, communicating with the the, the attackers uh, on a regular basis. These these aren't secretive uh, entities nope. uh, off in the and hidden in the dark web. Uh, they're nope. real people, and and you're speaking to them what via email, via some kind of secure channel. Yes, by secure emails um, mostly. Um, I, I've even seen cases where it's it's you know, the, the same email address as appearing to be the same criminal multiple, multiple times. They have no fear of getting caught. They are, there's, there's ways that they can be anonymous out there and they can do it remotely. And, you know, they're, they're attacking companies in Canada from Moldova or places like that. Right. Going, trying to trace this across international lines through multiple law enforcement agencies is, is near impossible. And they know that. So they just keep doing it. This is scary stuff. Yeah, it really does sound it like, uh, it, yeah, it sounds like it's a, a growing problem, one that's only going to get worse. The, the more we rely on these these devices, the more data we put into the network, and the more time we spend uh, spend online. Could you give us an idea of what what threats uh, there are for the individuals as well? You described businesses. Uh, what about the individual individuals? Uh, how can we be we be targeted? I'm mean, obviously like phishing scams, for instance. Yep. But uh, are these attackers going after individuals and encrypting their hard drives, or are there other strategies they use? No, the 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 that's called a ransomware attack. So they attack you and they demand a ransom, as the name suggests. But uh, mm -hmm. no, they, there's not enough money in it to do it to to people, um, individuals, so they don't. Um, I think it's fair to describe the people who are attacking individuals as sort of the lower level of the cyber criminal. They're they're um, they're not making money on a grand scale, but um, certainly those attacks are there. And and I think the the biggest way that people can protect individuals can protect themselves. It's very easy. It's just enable all the security features that are included in your online accounts, your email, Instagram, Facebook, iCloud. They all have two-factor authentication. So when you go to log in, if it's from a, a, a foreign device to the account, the first time you try to log in, it's going to send you a text message with a code to your to your your smartphone, Indeed. and that's how it confirms that it's you. And there's still an enormous number of people who don't enable that. And and the, as far as I can tell, it's just they don't want to have the inconvenience of waiting another three to five seconds to get into their account. But well, it's absolutely it. not worth it. 
That's what they often say in personal security, self-defense. It's just about making yourself more difficult to attack than the, the typical victim. As long as you're not the, the easiest target, you're probably mm -hmm. going to avoid it because they'll just go after someone easier than you. Right. Um, so en enable all your security features, update your software, um, and don't, you know, don't act recklessly and you'll probably be okay. So that's on the yeah. individual side. Um, mm -hmm. What about on the, on the other side? I mean, these, these hackers, obviously, they're going off to, to businesses. But uh, these aren't just individual hackers, right? There must be gangs or even other companies doing it, governments. Uh, I guess you've got the whole range of, uh, uh, you know, criminal organizations and people acting uh, in a criminal manner. It's very clear that the people that are doing it at the highest level are, without question, organized crime. Okay. Yeah, without, without question. They are organized. They're sophisticated. They know what they're doing. They repeat the system. Rinse, wash, and repeat. It right. works. They're taking it to the bank. And you're speaking with these people, so you must have a, you must be getting more and more clues each day. You know, you must uh, build up a picture of the, you know, how they communicate, how they operate in, in your mind. It's not just a, a one-off. To a degree. I mean, I don't want to misrepresent the, to the level that I'm speaking to these people. It's not like we're phoning up and having conversations. It's just back and forth to the point. Yeah. Conversations. Yeah. We've got you. Here's what we want to get your, um, your data back. So what they do when they encrypt the network is they send you a, a key to decrypt the data. And, and that's how you get control of your information again but that and and, and they, they give it to you because if they don't they get a reputation for for not being trustworthy and nobody will pay the ransom so mm. it's an interesting dichotomy yeah. that happens there but um the the thing about the typical it system is not, not every file not every digital file is meant to be encrypted and decrypted so people have this impression that even if even if they get hit, it's okay because I can pay the money. And if I pay the money, I'm going to get everything back. You don't get everything back in the same uh, state that it was in when it was Is encrypted. Right? So it's, yeah. it's damaging. It degrades the, the the data that you have. It's horribly, yeah, it's horribly damaging, and the the effects go on and on. And the the the, the most um, the most heart wrenching thing that I see is is small companies that have that have built their business for for two to four years or, or less. And they, they don't have the money to adequately protect themselves with a professional. And then they get hit and they, they hope that they never will or they think that they never will. And they literally cannot recover. And a lot of businesses go out of, they fail after these kind of things. Under. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's tragic. Now, there, there's insurance policies for this too. I don't know if you're aware of that. This is, that's no, one of the no, interesting things. I can imagine, so, yeah, for the big businesses. Can, but for small businesses, are they really going to shell out for something that seems like such a remote possibility? Will well, they get, can, in, can a small business get insured? Yes, they can. And yeah. I've, I've spoken to insurance agencies because my initial suspicion was that when I heard about these policies, that there would be a number of ways that an insurance company might want to deny a claim. For example, if you haven't taken adequate steps to protect your system. But in working with a lot of I'm afraid that's the end of this episode's free preview. That's right, full episodes of the Voice Tech Podcast are only available for a limited period of time after their release. The full one-hour episode is available to Voice Tech Pro subscribers, along with all the other episodes we've produced. Go to voicetechpodcast.com pro, where for just a few dollars a month, you can become a Voice Tech Pro and receive a range of exclusive benefits. Voice Tech Pros get more content each month. You unlock access to the entire catalogue of full-length episodes, including this episode. You can enjoy extra content, 
such as exclusive interviews just for Voice Tech Pro subscribers, plus bonus questions in the main interviews. And you also get to hear episodes sooner than everyone else, weeks ahead of their public release, in fact. Voice Tech Pros also get a special role in our online community, higher quality episodes with no ads and studio quality sound, and a chance to support the show and ensure we keep on producing more great episodes like this one. So please go to voicetechpodcast.com slash pro and become a Voice Tech Pro today.